0: From APM, this is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. On any given school day, students in New York's Hudson Valley are learning how to breathe. It's part of a focus on mindfulness, a word coined in the 1970s by biologist and meditation guru John Kabat Zinn. Kabat Zinn describes mindfulness as being aware of the self and the present and having a non judgmental attitude. Schools in New York's Rockland County first started daily mindfulness lessons several years ago. Teachers noticed that it was a way to combat distractions like peer pressure, electronic gadgets, online social networks, and for some people, the huge family problems that are at home. Last May, the U.S. Department of Education awarded eight neighboring districts money to train even more school staff in how to teach mindfulness. Evan Seidel is a social worker and mindfulness instructor at Riverview High School in Nyack, New York. It's an alternative high school for students with social, emotional, and learning challenges. Although the school works with a special population of students, Seidel says he thinks this technique would be effective for all teenagers. American Radio Works associate producer Suzanne Pico recently interviewed Seidel and started off by asking him how the mindfulness program began. Wow.
1: We came about it as a an offshoot of a therapeutic program that we implemented here called Dialectical Behavioral Therapy.
2: Oh, what does that mean?
1: Well, it's basically a, uh, a research-based therapeutic program that uses mindfulness as one of the key tenets of uh, helping people regulate their emotions. It's emotional management, interpersonal effectiveness emotion regulation, and mindfulness is is the key. That's where it all starts. It has become probably the most transferable skill for, for everyone who's been involved, both staff and students.
2: Before this program was put in place, what did you notice about how adolescents learn and behave that made you think that this kind of work would be a good fit for them?
1: Well, When you think of what mindfulness is, mindfulness is really the art or the skill, depending on how you want to look at it, of noticing what's going on in yourself and the world around you and being able to be aware of that and then address what you see and what you feel accordingly. And so for any teenager, emotional regulation is a challenge. The most level-headed, mainstream teenager uh, goes through broad emotional swings that can get in the way of social lives as well as school and and any part of their life. And so in in our population, what we saw is uh, those emotional swings going so wildly. You had people dealing with uh, different mental difficulties um, and acting on those emotions um, and so it led to increased suicidality, kids hurting themselves, hurting others, really not able to function. it It got to the point where they were not only not able to access their education, but for some of them, it became life threatening. And so this really was born out of a, a search for an effective solution.
2: How do you explain mindfulness to the to the students that you're working with?
1: Really, we talk about it as observing. On purpose and without judgment and while that seems simple it really it it really is something that they have to learn how to do how to really understand using your five senses and doing it in a way that's purposeful and where you don't judge yourself so you know how do you feel physically Uh, what do you see what do you smell what do you taste It's a much slower, more deliberate process. It allows you to kind of slow down the activity that you're engaged in, take a step back, and be aware, and then make choices accordingly.
2: So what are some of the mindfulness exercises that you do with your students?
1: So one of the things that we've found is that – for teenagers, they become less mindful when they're scatterbrained, essentially, when they're all over the place. So for our students, we found that physical activities that can kind of get them in the moment and things that they have to concentrate on. So one of my favorite activities to do is one in which we bring you know, a bucket full of stress balls. We take one of the balls out and have each student kind of throw the ball to the next student until a pattern has emerged uh, and the ball kind of just goes back and forth. And then you slowly add a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth ball into the rotation. And so... Students have to be aware of where the ball is coming from, where they have to throw it to. It really shows them that they can't be thinking about what's going on on social media, what's going on outside the classroom, what other stresses. They have to be, in the moment, aware of what's going on, and it's done in a way that they can physically get into into the act
2: when adults mention mindfulness we kind of think of sitting in a room cross legged with a, a meditation bell going and and then and having to be quiet and sit up straight and and is that does that not work with teenagers?
1: You know, it does. There are times where we'll do a guided visual image, which is like what you're talking about, or just do a relaxation exercise in which we kind of lead them through very purposeful and mindful breathing to try to kind of lower their uh, lower their stress level and kind of get them centered and focused. But teenagers more than adults need to be engaged physically. So you you almost have to have in your bag of tricks an extensive collection of these physical type exercises that can be done, that can be physical, but aren't going to turn into a physical education classroom, you know, that's not going to completely derail. You want kids to be able to stand up. You want them to have a little bit of mobility, but at the same time, you want them engaged in something that's going to keep them mentally in the room so when the activity is over and they are mindful, you can then dive into whatever the lesson is.
2: How does this fit into the everyday routine of the students in your school?
1: different day we we don't really know emotionally what we're going to see when kids get off the bus and so you almost have to do triage as the students come into the school and see who needs what and so if it's a student didn't sleep the night before for any number of reasons it could be something as simple as they were up all night on playing video games or on social media to a turbulent home life to any number of outside factors, um, but they may need to either be physically engaged or emotionally engaged and these exercises are really designed to last five minutes, but when you're starting to teach in a classroom and you have to bring the students together and you've got a kind of mixed bag, these exercises are really helpful uh, and teachers can administer them and, and kind of it helps bring everybody together and get everybody on track.
2: So who's doing it? Is it woven into the the sort of fabric of of academic lessons? Is it a standalone class?
1: So in our program, we have a, a large number of social workers and psychologists and they have you know they have started um the implementation and do it regularly before any kind of group exercise or group activity so it happens on a regular basis with our clinical staff but in addition to that the teachers have seen that it works and they've kind of co-opted it and like i said these exercises are fairly simple in their structure so teachers can kind of take them as needed and implement them and so So the teachers are using them as needed. Uh, Some are using them every day. Some are using them occasionally. But it's just one more trick in their their bag in terms of getting students to be on board and focused and able to access their education. Because at the end of the day, this is a school, and it's about helping students access their education.
2: Along those lines, have you gotten any pushback from anyone in the community who said, why are we doing this in school? Kids need to be focused on... On learning and preparing for tests,
1: the wonderful thing about uh, about this program is, since it is data based and it's backed up with research, we can show uh, firm numbers on students who have been dysregulated and unsuccessful in school before to kind of on task and showing progress after. And you know, like anything else, the proof is in the pudding. Hmm.
2: Tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, can you can you tell me the story of, of a student who kind of started out one way and then and was changed by this mindfulness practice?
1: Probably the biggest um, the biggest difference we've seen are students who come to us who have a history of attempting suicide. And so I can think offhand of one particular student who had multiple suicide attempts, and she came to us and really was very, very emotionally kind of with the wind. Any given day could send her off in any number of directions, So accessing her education was the least of her issues. It was really about staying safe on a regular basis. She was able to kind of hear it, and at first was was skeptical. But as she developed the skills and did it over and over and over again, she was able to start seeing that, her behavior was really a reaction to not being mindful, not being aware of what was going on. And when she was able to start noticing that the impulses that led her to take self-destructive steps and, and take actions to harm herself really didn't start the minute that she engaged in that behavior, but really it was something that was building over the course of the day. She was able to use mindfulness to make that identification early on in the day. And once you know that you're in that place, then there are a whole bunch of other skills to help intervene. The idea is to kind of slow that thinking down. And she was able to do that uh, and go from somebody who, forget about accessing an education but was really at a great risk of completing a suicide attempt to not only not self-harming but being engaged in the educational process getting a, a high school diploma and going on to a four-year college and it, it seems like it's a generic story but the reality is is it's it's much more common than you'd think and so For that student, it was about self-harm. We in Rockland County have a large population of Haitian immigrants, and that uh, community kind of had a mini-explosion here uh, after the Haitian earthquake. And so you had students who were not particularly connected to the community, who were new to the country, new to the area, um, but came with this terribly traumatic event in their recent history. And so they would be living these events over and over again and dealing with it and not really connected to why they were so moved by their emotions. Uh, And we're able to kind of help them be mindful and then address the trauma. Um, Mindfulness really is, it's the access point to get into any clinical issue.
0: That was Evan Seidel speaking with ARW's Suzanne Pico. Seidel is a social worker and mindfulness instructor at Riverview High School in Nyack, New York. You can find a link to the Rockland County, New York Board of Cooperative Educational Services at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. And while you're there, you'll find more podcasts about issues in K-12 and higher education. You can also browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects, AmericanRadioWorks.org. We would love to hear what this podcast made you think about. Will you share it with friends or colleagues? Did it change any of your ideas about the importance of mindfulness and teaching it in schools? Let us know by visiting AmericanRadioWorks.org. We are on Facebook at American.RadioWorks, and you can follow us on Twitter at AM RadioWorks. Support for American RadioWorks comes from the Spencer Foundation, Lumina Foundation, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.